Okay, you know what time it is. It's Waterproof Records time. Yeah, that's right. These just keep coming, and I keep having guests on the show, and you guessed it. It's guest time once again, and I'm going to probably say this every time because I only have people on Waterproof Records that I absolutely love and admire, and they inspire me, and this is someone that I feel so fortunate that I got a chance to connect with. And uh, he's on the show today, and I'm thrilled about it. So right now we're going to do the song to kick things off, get the episode going, and then I'll bring him on the show. But, you know, we got to do all the logistics beforehand. So, But today we are going to be talking about Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures with Dusty Gannon. Let's go. Things are going to change. I can feel it. It's just going to be that kind of fun. All right, before I welcome on my guest, um, you know I got to talk about our sponsor, DistroKid. And, and, you know, I can't rave enough about this company and what they do and how they make it easy for all of us to get our music out there in the world. You know, they're one of those services. I remember when I was putting out my first album in 2007, this kind of stuff was rare and you had limited options, but DistroKid makes it so easy for you to you know, you're writing songs, whatever genre it is, you can publish it and get it on every service you could think of. And it's just a great way to market yourself and take control of your music. And I highly recommend their service. And make sure to check out my profile because there is a link. I have a VIP link. It's just basically distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash waterproof. And if you click on that, you get 30% off for your first year with DistroKid. And 30% off is pretty significant, and it's already reasonably priced. But once you're in there, you can add so many things, like the credits, the songs, the lyrics. They have all sorts of widgets and things that you can plug in, get yourself get yourself some videos moving on Spotify, whatever you want to do. But again, I can't rave about them enough, so check out DistroKid. Now that that's out of the way, now I get to move on to the guest. And like I said right up top, I was just so excited that I got a chance to connect, talk with this person. He's been inspiring me since I saw his first videos. And uh, you know what? He looks magnificent all the time. I have to say that. Um, I love his taste in music. I love the music his band makes. And when I asked him to come on the show and he said yes, I was so happy. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Dusty Gannon, a.k.a. Vision Video you know him, you love him. Here he is. Let's go. Hi, hi there. How's it going? Thanks Good. for uh, thanks for having me on here. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Welcome, welcome, Dusty. You, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I got to say, like right off the bat, it's it's awesome, uh, and it's so kind of you to say like all these wonderful things. But uh, in in kind as well, uh, likewise, like it, uh, one of my favorite things about like meeting people on TikTok. Uh, it, it's just like experiencing, uh, people who have like real unadulterated like joy for music and, and creative expression and stuff like that. And I will never forget, like the first time I saw one of your videos was like one of the ones where like, I can't remember what the song was, but it was just like something with a, a, like a really wicked guitar just blasting. And then you're right. getting hit with like a leaf blower or something. And you're oh, like, mayonnaise, Wah. smashing pumpkins. Yeah, mayonnaise. I guess it was mayonnaise. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that was, and that's like one of my favorite pumpkin songs. So I was just like, holy shit, this is like, this is hilarious. And yes. it's, it's so, it's so pure and like true. 
Uh, so yeah, thank you for for making such like cool stuff for people to appreciate uh, uh, music in, in its artistic form. I appreciate that, man. And and so many people who watch this show, um, I mean, the majority of you listen, I know. Um, if you can, I want you to come watch. If you've never seen Vision Video and their stuff, Dusty just, his makeup is impeccable. Right now, he's got some bat wings on his head. He's got, a, you know, a jack-o'-lantern shirt on. He's got the, the room is decked out. He's got a Fright Night poster, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time in the background. Yes. And I'm thrilled because right now it feels like it's, it's Halloween in February with you on the show, which is great. It's, it's never too early to start, you know, and, and it helps that I'm just like a walking human stereotype anyway. So like, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, I, I grew up like, I just, I love like spooky stuff. I, you know, became really indoctrinated by like a very probably too early allowance to like watching horror films. Like I, my dad was like, yeah, you know, he, I was probably about eight when he, I watched like pet cemetery and I was just like, Oh my God. And I was like blown away. And so it oh, just started a, a litany of like a lifelong litany of things that I have been obsessed with in really weird ways. And now I have a black house with a hearse out front and Oh my gosh. Studio room. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. I don't I, I don't think I knew that, or maybe I did and I forgot, but where did you grow up, by the way? Where's where's hometown for you? So I more or less like I was born in Germany. Uh, my dad was in the military. My mom was German and we sort of moved around a, a, quite a bit for the first few years of my life. But uh, we sort of settled down in Georgia, specifically like this Athens area that I live in now, uh, which I've kind of left and come back to several times over again. Um, I went to high school in a very rural part of Georgia. That's like, like maybe 30 minutes outside of Athens. Um, but like when I went to college, uh, and when I left the military, I, I came back to Athens, um, because it's just such a wonderful music town and it's just like yes. a really cool place for creatives. Absolutely. Uh, it's got I ha- great, great I have- histories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of family in Georgia, so now I've got a good excuse so I'll just have to go visit them, and then I get a cruise by Athens and uh, check out the. Her- I'll look for the house with the hearse. That's all I got to yeah, do, right? It's not. It's not hard to find if you know Athens. <laughs> it's it's close to downtown, so you just I drive around downtown. You'll find it eventually. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I, I guess you know one of the things that I think is so cool about you, and and um, you know, as you see people make videos on TikTok and. I love the community that we get a chance to build on there because while we have to deal with, you know, there's a lot of positive comments, there's a lot of good things to come out of it, but we have to deal with a yeah. certain amount of um, not so fun stuff when you put yourself out there on online. But every creator that I've connected with that has a passion and love for music is a musician. I've just formed such a fast friendship with them, especially when we have um, generational ties, you know, being closer in age. And um, right away I saw you and I saw the makeup and everything. It's so beautiful. I, I have to 100% just compliment you. you. You really are good at it. it. It looks incredible. You do things on your eyes and your face and everything that I'm so impressed by. And then the first time I saw you with it removed, I was like, whoa, look at those bright blue <laughs> eyes. And then look at that guy, like a totally different face. And it was like, it was really, it was really cool to see. And that's where I discovered that you had, you know, a military history and you'd been a fireman. And so you really have had um, a full life full of different exciting paths. Um, so would you mind just sharing, I guess, with the audience a little bit about that journey best you can? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like, you know, to give you sort of the the, the Cliff Notes version of like where my life has kind of led me, it's very bizarre. Um, but I, you know, when I was 17, I was working at this like uh, car parts factory and a movie theater, like, and I, so I had two jobs and I was going to high school, but I was so dispassionate about that. So I just like literally dropped out like kind of on a whim because I was like, really, I'm not learning anything like my high school. So I, from a very young age, I started to see the like disproportionality of, um, like equity of wealth in our country because of like the way that education is based off of property tax. You know, the quality of your education is almost directly linked to <laughs> whether the property taxes are high uh, and whether people are rich, basically, whether homeowners are rich in your area. And Oglethorpe County is r- very rural. Georgia is not one of those places. Um, so I, you know, I just, I was just so, um, dispassionate and displeased with the level of education so i just like i was 17 i put in uh a request to to leave my parents agreed they signed it and then um so i shortly after moved to athens which was you know it's about 30 minutes uh from where i was uh growing up and uh you know athens was just this like especially at that point this was like the early 2000s so athens was still this like booming hub of creatives and art and it was still super super cheap not anymore uh it was incredibly cheap to live here and that's why it was a incubator for artistry and why it always has been since like the 70s even 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 onward but um yeah, I fell in love with the scene here. Like, you know, you can, you can, and you still can. It's different. And I'll talk about that later. But sure, you you could go out any night of the week, and there would be like experimental techno night at like Tuesday night at Go Bar, uh, you know, or like uh, the Forty Watt. There'd be like some crazy big band playing, and then the Caledonia Lounge around the corner. There was just like a smaller band just starting to learn their chops, but really amazing artistry. Uh, and dance parties, always just dance parties. Um, and in fact, our, our bass player from our band used to DJ and I used to be too young to get into go bar. And I used to sneak along the hedgerow. I love it. Occasionally I'd get kicked out, but sometimes I'd make it in. Uh, so, you know, it was just this amazing experience, but along with, um, when you're young, when you're 17, 18, 19, uh, and, and you're constantly inundated with all of these choices of like really cool parties and like bands to go see and, and, and sort of music based culture. Uh, you can you can kind of get stuck in the sort of like hamster wheel of time where you're just sort of in like Neverland and you don't feel like you're going anywhere. And yeah. I was very much so in that. Like I was very I, I started to feel like. Okay, you know, I, and at that time, I, I didn't even like party hard. I wasn't like drinking or doing like crazy drugs or anything. But I was just like, I don't feel like I'm, I don't, I, I felt like I didn't know where my direction was leading me and like what my path was supposed to be. Um, and I was, I was also like reading a lot of like French existentialist literature, you know, like Camus and Sartre and all that sort of, yeah, all, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And, you know, so my dad was in the military for like, 15, 16 years and became medically uh, retired when he got hurt uh, in a training incident. So, you know, I, I grew up with that sort of in the back of my mind was like, this is an option. Right. And right. at that point in time, both the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan were like in full swing because this is like 2007 at this point. Okay. So I'm about 20. And I just had this like sort of breaking point where I realized that I was like, you know, my life will never be horrible like i'm happy here 
but it's never going to, I'm never going to be able to do things that I, uh, could ever conceive of because I don't feel like I'm breaking out of my comfort zone. And I think that's one of these things that really, I, I probably learned too much from these French existentialists was like, what's the meaning <laughs> of a man? You know, well, yeah, yeah. What, uh, what, what do you call yourself a man? That's my terrible French. Oh, I love this. It doesn't sound French. But, uh, you know, yeah, beautiful. Yes. Yes. You smoke the cigarette and you think about Just your life. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, you know, I started to think about like what, who am I and, and what is my impact on this world and, and how am I going to sort of transcend myself? And I started to realize, I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of need to do something that's like extreme and something that's big. Uh, and I, and so I, I certainly didn't, I was sort of like apolitical at that time. Like I went through this like weird flirtation with like conservatism that I just, it's like sure. whatever. Sure. And it was just sort of like, yeah, like, yeah, fair trade. And like, we should just leave <laughs> each other alone, which is not what they're advocating for in the background. But anyway. Right, right. Uh, I, so, uh, but I was, needless to say, mostly apolitical in a time of war, which is like kind of a dumb thing. And it's a very mm -hmm. naive thing because I went and I just like signed up and I was like, I'm ready to do this. So I enlisted uh, in the infantry. I was like a private first class because I had a couple college credits at that point. And, you know, I, I did that for a few years, uh, didn't deploy. And I got kind of frustrated because at that point I was sort of indoctrinated. And I was like, oh, I want to go do this thing that I've been training to do, which is like yeah. so, again, naive and like just so, so, so like so full of hubris. But um, I, uh, I, I basically started to see that I had like a knack for like organization and like just kind of like keeping my friends like motivated Mm -hmm. uh, while we were in the field and training and stuff. And I was like, you know, I think I could maybe try like a shot at being a leader in the army. So I applied, got into university of Georgia. Um, cause I'd been taking college credits even as a high school dropout, which was awesome. I got accepted and I went through like the reserve officer training corps to become an officer in the active army. So wow. I finished uh, college in 2011 commissioned as an officer and went through officers training and basically got sent to Germany, picked up a rifle platoon in Germany um, at, in 2nd Cavalry Regiment. And we went to Kandahar, Afghanistan in 2013 wow. to 14. And it was really weird because it was like the last official combat deployment. Um, and our experience there was like pretty mild. It was like mm -hmm. very nominal. Like, you know, we took like indirect fire and stuff like that. But other than that, it was sort of like walking around trying not to get blown up. Sure. Uh, by IEDs and suicide bombers. And that stuff happened a lot where we were. So I, while we were there, you know, I had these 30 kids and they were literally kids. They were like 21 was the average, it was like 20 or 21 was the average age of my platoon. So very young platoon. Yeah. Like most of them fresh out of high school. Yeah. And I, I started to kind of look around and I, I was reading, I read every book I could put my hands on about Afghanistan before we went, went over there. Cause I wanted to know like, what is the culture? What's the history? Why are we doing this? Why are we still there at that point, 2013, you know, right. 12 years into this thing. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I basically just, I, I started to sort of like tie all these strings together and was like, wow, this is a big business. Like this whole thing of warfare has nothing to do with like protecting American democracy and freedom or, or our interests abroad. Uh, and I think it obviously at one point it very clearly had uh, a necessity for us to be in Afghanistan and to remove 
um, you know, the, that very brutal uh, system of government under the Taliban, sure, which I sure. have, there's no love lost for the, that system. Like the right, Taliban right. is absolutely evil and awful, but they sub what I started to see is like this subversion of this sort of American exceptionalist idea that like we are the paragons of freedom and peace and democracy in the world. Uh, so they use that to convince young kids to go die and kill. But in reality, it's like the only reason why we were still there was because of money, because of billions and billions and billions of dollars in contracts that were literally just being thrown into this furnace. This just like ultimate fire of waste wow. and fraud and abuse. And it was just like, you know, I, so when we got back, I fortunately, everybody came home. Um, we all got back from my platoon. Uh, my unit lost a couple of people, which felt so needless. But yeah. um we came home and got back to Germany and, and I was just like, I started traveling a lot more like, cause I was already in Germany and I was just like, they gave us some time off and I just saw, I was like, you know, I just don't, this is not my, this is not who I am and this is not like aligning with my soul anymore. Right. So I basically put in a resignation, got out, um, went into the reserves for a couple years and did like a company command in the, in the uh, army reserves. But, um, not long after I got out, I thought I was going to go to grad school. I ended up joining a uh, fire department in the Metro Atlanta area. And that's what I did for the last five years. I was a paramedic right. and a firefighter. So I did double duty. I would do one shift on the ambulance and then the next shift I would be on the engine. Incredible. And so I just, I lived like this wild world, uh, of coming home and, like going through fire school and paramedic school, which was so insanely t like paramedic school was much harder. Like I have a degree in religion, which is basically a history degree. That yeah. history degree does not hold a candle to how hard paramedic school. Was. I mean, it's ridiculous. Wow. Um, wow. So, but I loved it and I was really good at being a medic. Uh, I was, I was a pretty good firefighter. I mean, firefighting is kind of easy to be honest. They won't tell you that, but like you just go into a house and just like, Unless it's <laughs> yeah, like a yeah. big working fire. Unless it's really bad, fall. right? Yeah. 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 And then it gets like way different. But most 90% of fires, you just go in and it's kind of just fun. Like not to make light <laughs> of somebody's worst day ever, but you're just like, yeah. hell yeah. And you're just yeah. like putting water on fire. That's it. Uh, yeah. And you, there's just a lot of safety concerns. But being a medic, you save people's lives like all the time. You right. like, witness insane things, some really awful things like Sure. Like I've seen so many terrible things and it was almost all in the role as a, as a paramedic. I mean, just Unreal. things that are unimaginable. Um, but you know, it's so satisfying because at the end of the day, there's no moral gray area and you still work in the context of a team. So it felt very comfortable for me. It was like, it was like being in the military without the like questioning of like, is this right? Or is right. like, what's going on here? It's just all helping people. Is, you get the yeah. call, you you run to the trucks, and you go do what you can to save people or help them. Um, and it can be as simple as picking grandma up off, of, uh, off the floor from the nursing home at mm -hmm. three in the morning when you're like deliriously tired, or you know, like literally doing CPR on a on a child, you know. Oh and it's gosh. like it and it and you never know what you're gonna get. Like it's just yeah. every call is just like, all right, here we go, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's kind of like that led me until now. And now I do music full time, uh, which, which is, is amazing. Like, it's unbelievable. I mean, I live a very marginal life now. Like I, you know, sure. I have to be very careful with my money cause I'm not like, I think people have this, um, uh, 
this like weird sort of expectation where like you build a large following on social media that like somehow you're just like immediately making a ton of money. I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> let me you don't tell have you. To tell me people say that and assume that about me all the time. And I'm like, no. Oh no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. Maybe if you have a couple oh, no. million and you get a brand deal, you could do something really comfortable, yeah. but I mean, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. But uh, when yeah, was your first? I was first... actually watching. Oh, oh no, no, go no, ahead, no! Ahead, you sorry. finish your thought and then I'll go. Uh, no, I, I, I actually funny talking about TikTok. I saw a TikTok talking about the the group TLC mm-hmm. and their record deal and how like whittled down it got. Like, because they sold like ten million records or something, sure, it was some sure. astronomical amount of money. But like after the label and distribution and da 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 da, the lawyers, the 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 sync agents, the whatever. They made like from 90, I think it was 94, 95. Each mm-hmm. one of the members made $50,000 each that year. Oh my God. And they sold 10 million records. I was like, what? No what? way. Yep, that's but that creative like, accounting, right? It's just like yep, they figure exactly. out how to get it. Yeah, that's unbelievable. But <laughs> that's when, did, when did you start? What I was going to ask was when did TikTok begin? What year was it uh, that this whole oh, yeah. journey of yours began? Sure, yeah. Uh, so. During the so, like it's good that I've given context because like sure. um, during the the lockdowns of the pandemic, the pre-vaccination when we really didn't know the pathological like pathways, like we didn't sure. know how bad or how good not say good like how severe it was going to be, mm-hmm. and so in the beginning, you know, I was constantly, especially just constantly exposed to COVID. Because I was taking all these people to the hospital all the time in the right. back of an ambulance, which is basically a big metal box with like a shitty no like ventilation. ventilation system. <laughs> like right, right. There's a fan in the back, and you're like, "That's not doing anything." That's not going to stop it. Yeah, that's not doing anything. And we were like low on PPE for about three months. Like we had, we were running out of N95s. I was just wearing like, you know, this like little simple surgical mask, which does nothing to protect you, uh, you know, other than just like a physical barrier. But air still circulating. You know, I mean, there were all, there were all these like things. It was just like this. It felt apocalyptic. It uh, did. So needless I to say, I yeah, I mean, it's just like, and I remember one day I pulled all the medics in my station aside before everything started, and I was like, "Hey guys, we don't know what this is gonna be like from the sound of it in China. This is gonna be really bad." I was like, "Y'all need to be ready to die." I was right. like, "Serious?" I was like, "You guys need to be ready to die because some of us probably will." Fortunately, you know, the pathology didn't uh, express that way. And, 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 and I feel fortunate, but so while we were kind of figuring things out, I was super locked down. Like I didn't see anybody except yeah, for yeah. three people. And that was it because yeah. they, we were just so exposed. And, um, yeah, like, uh, I, st- I suddenly had this massive amount of time because, uh, like I'm a pretty like social gregarious person. Like I like to go out and I like to see shows. I mean, that's what I do in my free time. Uh, now, well now I make TikToks. <laughs> yeah. Now you make TikToks and play uh, shows yeah, yourself. That's, that's all I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Just kidding. But, uh, but so I, you know, the firefighter schedules 24 hours on 48 hours off. Uh, so I had these like 48 hour chunks of time where it was just like, man, I, I can do whatever I want. So I was just, I started writing more music and I started to read a lot about like, okay, well, how do I get this music out there? Like, what do I do to tell the story? Because I have a bizarre and interesting story. And I think that my messages are, are valuable. So like, and that's what I convey through music. So how do I get this out? 
And I started to just look at social media. So my first exposure to TikTok was like, I dated this girl several years back and we used to just like watch it. You, it was called like musically for a while. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok. That's what it was originally. It, yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was just sort of like really cheesy, like, you know, cringy, like kids, like, and, and adults, like just kind of like lip syncing. And it was just funny to me. It was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And we just sort of, we would like watch it and laugh. But then I started to, to kind of watch it and I was like, oh, there's like people promoting stuff. There's, there's people telling stories. There's people doing like makeup stuff, which obviously I'm, I, I'm big into and I've always been into since I was a teenager because of the goth scene. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is a really useful tool. But then I started to, so I started to make like real, like just that kind of stuff. You go way back, you're going to see some really cringy Dusty Gannon got that stuff. Now I'm like, going to do it. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to scroll <laughs> so deep. I can't oh, wait. So this is a while it, ago then. Yeah. This is a while. Yeah. I, I literally think they, they don't make it easy for you to scroll back that far as a deterrent because yeah. everybody's embarrassed of shit from like two years ago. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, so like uh, kind of what we were talking about before the show started, like I had this one video pop off because I was like, oh, it's trend based. So there's like these sounds and you replicate it and you just do this stupid thing. And it like, you know, and you just show it like you show who you are through the trend. Yeah. So I did a video where I was in my firefighter gear and it was like the wipe it down challenge. So if you don't know what that was, like there's a mirror and the song went wipe, wipe it down. And you would wipe and it would just be a contrasted image. So I'm yeah. in my firefighter gear and I wipe. And then it's me looking like this. And I was like, ha ha. And then, and I wipe back and then I'm like, what the hell? And I'm back into my firefighter stuff. And it got viewed like millions of times. Like Amazing. it went absolutely supernova. And I was like, I was like scared. Because <laughs> at that point, I still had like the notifications on my phone for TikTok. Oh and it my was like, god! Shh, you were shh, like, shh, "Oh, shh. I can't even imagine." I was like, "Dude, I can't." No, like, and it was it was a lot, and it was. Yeah. But um, so I went to work the next day, and they were like, "Dude, you gotta take that thing down." And I was like, uh, "I guess I have to." So I had to like delete this video. It had like millions of views, and it felt like it felt like, oh my God, are we ever going to hit this again? And it's yeah, like, which yeah. is it's kind of silly to me now in retrospect, yeah. but like, but it, that moment was like, this is the most valuable tool for musicians in the world right now. Yes. So I just started dumping every minute of free time that I had into this app. And I was just like, ah, videos, just, I mean, thousands of videos I think I've probably made by now. And yeah. most of it's just really dumb things, but it's it's a lot of me just like showing makeup stuff, telling stories, talking about the music, talking about our songs, talking about the meaning of things, how I make the music, uh, showing little bits of music videos. There's so many things that are so easy to make content. If you're a musician, you just have to like give a shit and like actually per like commit yourself to doing it. Yeah. Uh, and and that's and that's the hardest part is just. It's honestly not even the minutia. It's just the uh, swallowing your pride mm -hmm. and going, I'm going to embarrass myself in front of thousands, if not millions of people on the internet. It's vulnerability. Uh, it's being vulnerable. Yes. You know, it requires a, a very sincereness to, of yourself. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's one of the reasons why when mine took off, I was surprised because for the first time ever, I wasn't going for virality and and it yes. seems like the same with you i wasn't trying and yeah. my audience already knows this but but the qu quickest recap for you is that 
you know, I, I've, I moved to Hollywood, Los Angeles, when I was in my 20s in 2001, and a uh, very different life than what you've been leading since then. Um, but, right. I, but, but I mean, in terms of like, I didn't, you know, deploy. Um, but, uh, but I was here pursuing this entertainment career. And so, so much of my life was spent, you know, getting involved with a group of people making a web series, uh, making, doing stand-up comedy in LA, uh, making vines, making videos, really trying to promote myself as an entertainer, an actor, a comedian, um, and just working so hard to just be seen, just look at me, look at me, writing screenplays, all this stuff. Yeah. And Right when I made the decision to to kind of give up, which was the height of the pandemic, I, I just said, I don't really care anymore. I'm, I'm happy with my day job. I'm happy with my family. I don't need to worry about it. And that first video being me not trying for a damn thing, just me right. sharing a thought, an idea. And so I think that the amazing thing about TikTok is it brings out, you saw the opportunity to take advantage for your music career but people always ask me, they go, what, what do you think is the secret? And I say, the secret is yourself. You're, yeah. It's you. And we're all so unique from one another. And it is very hard to be yourself. It's very hard to just drop all pretenses and show the world everything about who you are. And yeah. I think that that is what stands out and why people connect and they get and they grow their audiences because uh, it's hard to fake being, you know, yes. who you are. And yeah. and all the things that I go back and look at that I was trying to get the attention, there was just this desperation in, on my face deep down inside. You could see this look at me, look at me, validate me. And I had to somehow let that go. I had to let that go. Like, I don't need your approval anymore. I'm pretty yeah. happy with my life. And by the way, these are things that I love. And oh, and I also play music. And and so right. that's what brought me to where, where I am. And it sounds like that is for you, too. And and uh, yeah, it's just it's an incredible platform because it it equalizes everybody. And we never yes. had anything like this before because. TikTok is the one thing that will take your video and show it to everyone, people who aren't following you. The whole algorithm and the metric behind it, which sometimes works against you, but it yeah. just shows you, as we know, right? As we know, as I talk <laughs> to every other TikToker who comes on this show, I go, yes. you have good days and then you have bad months where you're like, nothing is going yeah. anywhere. Right. Uh, it's so weird. But um but anyway, so what a what a fascinating journey uh, that led you to making TikTok. And I do want to say, because we said it off the air, um, and you said briefly, you said they made you take it down. It was because the fire department had issue with yeah. you kind of showing that you were a fireman, right? That was the that was yeah. the problem. It was it was so it was such a dumb like week because I remember going to work and like, I kind of was like, ah, oh, I know that these dudes have seen this. Cause it, it was like viewed like millions of times, like in a day, in a day. Yeah. Like in one 24 hour period, it was like 2 million views or something. Insane. I was like, holy shit. Because like how many goth firefighters do you know? You know what I mean? Like that's the whole um, point. Wait, 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 Dusty. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. wait. I, um, um, I know there's another the Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> there's another goth fireman in my life. I know it. I know it. No, you're the only one I I've know. I've actually, I've met a few now and it's awesome. I've, I've, I mean, through shows and stuff, but like, so I went to work though. And like, they were, it was like immediate, like yeah. this one dude who I'm really good friends with. Uh, he's, he's also left the fire department uh, to start a business, but he like, he came up to me and he was like, dude, you, oh man, you're going to be in for it today. And I was like, 
I was like, how many people have seen it? He's like, dude, everybody. Everybody's seen it. Everybody. They were like, I think the, the fire department I worked for had like, like a thousand firefighters roughly. He was like, everybody. <laughs> and I was like, all right. You know, and I don't, I mean, I've always been weird and they knew Sure, that. Like, sure, sure. You know, I mean, I've had that hearse and I like, I mean, they know that I do this like weird stuff, but they hadn't seen it. Right. Because I never, I wasn't like, here, look at me doing all this yeah, shit that yeah. you're going to make fun of me for. Yeah. Uh, and then they, <laughs> suddenly they were very well aware Very of it. exposed. And it was like, yeah. Man, it was like, hi, man. Because they're all so, like, <laughs> Bill Southern. Hi, man. Yeah, that's my family look, out there. Georgia. Hey, dude, what's, uh, what, what's with all this queer makeup stuff? And this is before I was out as bisexual, yeah. too. So I was yeah. like, yeah. Uh, it's just like Kiss, you know, like Kiss wears makeup. Yeah. Like I do the same thing. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay, man. Well, that's cool, I guess, you know, whatever. You know, and it was just like funny to me, but uh, yeah. And then so I had this lieutenant, and he was a—he's a great dude, uh, but he's very—he was very like by the book. Right. And he was like, man, like we—you got to delete it, man. You know, I—I I mean, I hate it. I hate to ask you to do that because I know you're trying to get your stuff out there, and da da da. And I was like, look, I'm gonna put it to you like this: we have this like weird social media policy where we can't be in like uniforms and stuff. There are dudes posting pictures of themselves on every platform on Instagram, all of this stuff. And they're in their stuff and nobody cares. But the second that somebody's like a little weird that does it, it's right. like a big deal. Right. But you know, I just, I just like took it in stride, deleted it. And, and I, and I sort of use that as like the impetus to like do it again. Yeah. But yeah. In a different way. Cause it's like, well, you guys already know I'm like a firefighter full time. So now it doesn't matter. It doesn't like, matter. You can get I don't it have out to there. Be in the- <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that first viral, you know, uh, the first thing that goes, um, I, I felt like in the early days when something goes, um, it, it was, at least for me, it got duplicated a couple times. Like I was able to do it a couple times right yeah. out of the gate. And then as my channel grew and things went on, it was, it was harder to duplicate. It happens every now and then, but those things yeah. that really catch, you're really just more dependent on your core audience that likes right. your stuff. And then you occasionally, the other things that I've had have been when I, when I get out of music and I do something like odd and then people get yeah. really emotional about whatever what that post is. <laughs> Um, yeah, but we, we, you and I have some Southern ties. I don't know if you knew this about me, but I'm originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma, which isn't the deep oh, okay. South, but I it's am in there though. I, I, it's in there <laughs> and I'm from a place where people go, Hey Jacob, you know what you're into is a little weird, you know? Cause yeah. I was, you oh, know, yeah. <laughs> when I was, uh, when I was in high school, I was an actor. I was in musical theater, song and dance, jazz hands, the whole nine yards. And let me tell you something in the nineties, <laughs> in the nineties, uh, yeah. that was definitely a weird time. Time to be into that and people had opinions and uh yes so I, I i have a lot of that background and then another thing you said which is a whole nother podcast because i think i want to get into bands and i want to get into music but you said that you had a degree in religion and i was like yeah. oh man so you were talking earlier about how you grew up and you were exposed to the horror movie and you were raised in germany and you had this good assessment of the world around you and the political system, the military. And I was like, man, talk about me who went through life like literally like I hands over my <laughs> eyes because I'm growing up in Tulsa. I'm in the church. I'm a Methodist, yeah. you know, church going kid and all the music I like. I'm getting in trouble for all the time. I'm going right. to I'm going to Christian summer camps and I'm being asked to like get rid of secular music and throw it away. And, you know, my brother and I would come home and be filled with religious conviction and like, you know, oh, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to let go of this album. And then yeah. two or three months later, we'd find
find a way to get it again. And, and, and my mother, we told her, my brother and I are huge, like metal fans, death metal and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I told her, I was like, you know, sadly, mom, all the times you're afraid of our metal and you made us get rid of it. It just like resupported the love. And now Joel and I are into the heaviest shit in the world and we have you to thank. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we, um, I grew up like that and it wasn't until I was much older that I sort of came out of that culture and, um, and it changed my life and it changed the way I assess things. And I, you know, I, I moved to Los Angeles as a young 20 something guy trying to make it an entertainment, but I did a lot of my growing up and learning about the world and, and how things work later. You know, it's like, I, I, I felt like I spent a lot of years being pretty naive and pretty sheltered. And even those first few years living in Southern California, which is not a place where you do well if you're naive, but I, I was right. really, I learned quickly in a lot of different ways. And, yeah. um, and it's just been an interesting journey, but the religion thing I did want to hit on. Cause I was like, man, we should just have like a part two to where we can talk oh, about man. that. But, but was it in a specific, uh, religious wheelhouse or what? what? Yeah. I mean, my BA is just in religion generally. Yeah. So you, you know, and a bachelor's degree is just such a, like one of the things you learn when you get your bachelor's degree in anything is like how little you know about yeah. that yeah. thing it's at true. the end of it. Or I, I was like, you're, you're literally giving me a degree in this saying that I know. And I mean, it's literally like you know this much uh but i focused mostly on chinese religions so like taoism buddhism and confucianism were like my primary interests um because i find i i was becoming really highly interested in their um meditative and mindfulness practices Mm -hmm. uh which i think are like absolutely vital to um living a a more fulfilled life is just, you know, even if you're not doing a sort of meditation where you're like sitting there and clearing your mind, but there are meditative practices. Like for me, it's playing music. It's uh, getting lost into uh, like the writing process where, where my mind just kind of dissolves and I'm just sort of like focusing on the sound almost entirely Mm -hmm. and, and letting everything else of this external world just like, sort of move away from me. Yeah. Uh, and those are things that I really learned from reading a lot of these, you know, Taoist, especially Taoist books uh, and primary source material. A lot of it was complete nonsense too. That didn't make any sense to my like white guy in 21st century mind, but <laughs> right. You know, um, it, it, I just found it fascinating and beautiful, but I did study a lot of like, uh, you know, the Abrahamic, uh, traditions as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because especially like going back to the army, I was like, well, I should probably know a lot about Islam. So I like yeah. learned a lot about Islam, uh, but also, you know, like Christianity and it, it just sort of like, it really just changed the way that I viewed the world because I was sort of like how I used to be like very apolitical. I was sort of a, a religious like, right, right, I, right. I didn't, I didn't care. I was like, this doesn't affect me, and I don't have any real opinions. Whereas now I have, I think, a much more broadened view on how religion works and and why it's so important to humans and culture, and the decisions that humans make. Um, and, and and it's and it's really emboldened a lot of my opinions about, sure. you know, how how religion especially ties into uh, government power. Uh, why, uh, 
you know, certain marginalized groups are further marginalized because of religious uh, culture identity mm -hmm. uh, and, and how that ties into politics. And it's just like it's really kind of sad and abhorrent to me. But it um, is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I we, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But I, I yeah, that's I mean, that's the same. The last thing I'll say on it is when I started to study into Abrahamic and Judeo-Christian, you know, like Judaic ideas. That's really where the unraveling began, because the more you know, the more you learn, the more you research, you start to go, oh, uh oh, some of these things uh, are borrowed from other places. And yeah. this all doesn't make sense. And a lot of the translations from, you know, Jewish culture to Christian culture don't quite connect. And a lot of these were fulfilled because of, um, you know, they needed to uh, make a statement to the people at the time and they needed to govern yeah. a certain way. So once you, once I started to learn all that, it's really what began to dismantle it. But um, yeah, yeah. I've had a, in the past, you know, this all happened when I was 26, 27 is where I departed. And I, you know, it's been a long time now, you know, 16 years. And I um, I now am patient and now understanding it's, there's still things that get me enraged that I see people post online um, and get so mad. But I, I had to spend a couple years um, where I was really mad. I was really angry and I had to spend a couple years kind of purging and getting rid of that anger. And now yeah. I look at it and I can see the significance and the value and, you know, having a, a mother and father who are still involved in it. I, you know, I have to raise my boys to have it a tremendous amount of patience and patience and love and understanding and, and, and being like, I get why this means so much to you and not be, not right. be smarmy. You know, I don't want a bunch yeah. of, I don't want a bunch of Bill Mars running around my house going, oh, we're going to pray. Okay. He's actually, he's hilarious, yeah. <laughs> but he's so smarmy yeah. about religion that yeah. I was like, I don't want them to grow up about like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. actually. And I mean, I think that it's like, you know, at the end of the day, there's this sort of like unknowable aspect to it too, right? Yeah, like, of course, there's aspects of religion that are insanely beautiful and responsible for like uh, some of the best things that humanity has had to offer. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you've got to learn to to separate sort of this like hard line uh, uh, scriptural literalism. Uh, to the reality of humanity and how people work. And because it's like, if you're, a, you know, that's why like people ask me like, what, what's your political ideology? Like, what, are you Democrat or Republican or whatever? I'm like, no, I don't like any of them. I don't yeah. like any political party because the second that you, that you subscribe to a, a process, an ism, you are bound by a left and a right limit. And none of these things are going to be a hundred percent accurate. Right. So why not like go, well, you know what? I like that. And I also like this, mm -hmm. uh, and, and just build your own sense of ethics from how you interpret the world and, right. and, and, and how you interact with other people. And I think that's like so much better than, than just being like, well, there's a book and that thing has all the answers like no yeah yeah <laughs> you and i are on the same wavelength and uh i knew we'd be best friends so uh i knew it i knew it i knew it too i knew it i could <laughs> tell from the moment we connected so um but now now that our audience has been so patient and listened to us talk yes. about dusty's journey they're like they're like the title of this episode was joy division i logged yeah! in so let's get into joy division all that stuff though yes. i wanted them to know who you were and just and see yeah. what a cool uh, fascinating life you'd had and i wanted us to have that chance this was selfish guys sure. i wanted the time with dusty <laughs> you have to have it too um, but uh, let's talk about Joy Division. Um, this was a cool album because every guest I always ask them, I say, what's the album? What's the album? And I have two responses that come from this. 
A lot of times the guests go, ooh, oh, you know, oh, there's so many that I could cite. And that's fine. That's a fair thing. Um, but it cracks me up because I'm the same. If somebody said, what is the one album? You know, it's like you just came out of the gate and you said, oh, there's no question. There's no question. Yeah. I know exactly yeah. what it was. And it was. Go- yeah, it was Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division. 1979. You know? uh, what an album. And I'm glad you chose it because I haven't really, um, you know, we I haven't gone back to that era yet on the show, which I know I will over time as the show continues on. But um, this is an album that I want you to talk about that moment. And then I want to share, you know, my experience with it as well. Um, But I want you to talk about discovering the album, what it did to you and how it drove your musical journey in the, in the biggest way. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah. um, So, you know, there was this like, weird period of time in my early teenage years. So I was about 13 or 14 where I was discovering like post-punk and goth rock, mm-hmm. uh, which are, is such an interchangeable thing. Sure. So for those people that are like, Joy Division isn't a goth band. I'm like, I don't care, man. Right. Like that's right. my response to that is like, whatever, dude. But uh, I was getting into that music, that this music that I've been obsessed with for now, like probably 22 years. Right. Uh, that I've never left. Um, and I, I'll never forget uh, the first time I heard Joy Division specifically was like, I had like some level of like very early, it was either an MP3 player, like one of the stick ones or, or it yeah. was a burnt CD. But somebody had made me a playlist of, of like sort of this uh, music that I had started to get into. And I was, my my mom was driving me home from school and I was finally allowed to like listen to this it was a CD because my friend gave it to me and I was we were driving home and I was uh, sitting there with my little compact portable discman mm-hmm. with the anti-skip technology of course and <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm listening to you know a couple songs and they're all cool and it's you know it's good stuff it's like a lot of Bauhaus uh, some Susie and then that bass line from Disorder starts up. It's in it. And it's just like, like within the first five seconds of that song, it's so sparse. There's really nothing crazy going on. Yeah. It's really just that bass line with the, with the drums. It's just the rhythm section with some like kind of bizarre sounds in the background. Mm-hmm. But it captured this feeling this sentiment that i had felt as long as i have been conscious and like aware of myself and as a sentient being that like you know i was i've always been kind of a little strange and you know i grew up in some like my family was amazing but we had some really hard times like within their family sure uh and i was very young when some of that really bad stuff happened and so I, I, you know, this, this sort of music was already resonating with me, but there was something about that bass line and that rhythm section that just spoke to this, like, beautiful, nostalgic sadness uh, that I think everybody sort of lives with at some point in their life. Some mm-hmm. people live with it for a few days, some people their entire lives. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I, I always like to say this about that song. It, when it started playing... It was like, that is the sound of the way I have felt for so long about so many things. And then, you know, the song just sort of explodes uh, 
into this immediate recognition of that strangeness where mm -hmm. Ian Curtis says, I've been waiting for a guide to come and take me by the hand to make me feel the pleasures of a normal man or, you know, paraphrase, but yeah. like that's that I was like, yeah, exactly. Wow. Like yes. I am weird and I am trying to find some sense of connectivity to that weirdness to the rest of the world. When I feel like, you know, I was one of, one of maybe two or three, like kind of weird gothy alternative kids yeah. in my school, in a rural school, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, it was just like, and it just blew my mind. And then I, so I went home and that was when the internet was still like kind of new to everybody. Like right, we were still right. on dial up and it was like, you know, it was terrible. But I remember like immediately going and finding the whole record and just learning everything I could about this band and just seeing immediately I like, Oh wow. Like he died. Yeah. And, 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 and he, and he did it by his own hand and, but, and reading the history and it's like this sort of extremely tragic tale, uh, of, of these amazing prodigious musicians who had so much poetic beauty and, and, and ability that was beyond their own comprehension. And they were just kids kids. And I was like, man, that is it. The, the whole thing about it. It was just something that was just so it felt vital and it felt important um and then i listened to the whole record that night and i was like every single song on this record is phenomenal there's not one bad moment not one this is uh, why <laughs> i do this show because whenever this subject comes up about the album and when the people find it and they land on it and you just did it right now the way you communicated it to me i literally was like you saw me i was just like oh when you said that baseline is how i feel and yeah. I was like, that's how I experience music. It's always been really linked to my emotions. And I yeah. am um, somebody who often completely misses lyrics. I, I often just know what the sound is and I'll discover right. lyrics from time to time. It's not that I don't hear them because sometimes they're right. so painfully clear or, or sweetly clear or happily clear. But um, yeah. I, it, it, it locks into the feeling in my body. Yes. And um, that's why I make the videos that I do. And when you just described that, I was like, that's a really perfect way of describing that baseline, that album. And Joy Division is a band that when I was a kid, my brother was a few years older than me and he was more, his favorite band of all time is The Cure. That was his band. Ah. So his, po his room had the Boys Don't Cry poster and every day he would come into my room and he would go, Jake, Jake, um, listen to this one here because he was always trying to convince me that I was gonna love The Cure as much as, yeah. as he did, right? He was trying to do it to right. me. Yeah, and yeah. he was trying to win me over, and I do. I love them, but when I was thirteen, yeah. I was listening to heavier stuff, and right. he had Joy Division, he had New Order, he had Bauhaus, he had all that stuff. But for yeah. me, it just wasn't. It just wasn't resonating for me as a teenager yet. Yet, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I was, I was glomming on to other music. And so it wouldn't be until years later. I mean, first of all, you can't deny the fact that Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures, that album cover is probably in the top 10 most identifiable yeah. album covers of all time. I even yeah. chose this shirt today because it was the closest <laughs> thing I had. I don't have the shirt. I need to get the shirt. This is a Cigarose, uh tour shirt, but it was like black with the white. And I was like, it's right, close. Right. It's close. Yeah. Um, but I, I, that is a very recognizable sound. And then um, just recently, last year, I got to go see Peter Hook in the Light um, mm. because I got to be friends with his son, Jack Bates, who's playing with the Smashing Pumpkins. And so I was like, oh, 
I'm sorry, I didn't. I, 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 I want to show you something. Okay, here we go. I'm listening. No, no, it's okay. I, 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 I want to make forget. sure if you had an emergency, <laughs> I wanted to stop. No, no, no. But I, but I, I got a chance to see Peter Hook in the light, and you know, now I was familiar with the songs. Now I knew New Order. Now I knew Joy Division. And man, I was sitting there that night, and that bass line started yeah. up, and I got so pumped. I was like, yeah, <laughs> and I was so thrilled. And um, and so when you chose this one, I was like, I really haven't got a, a lot of time. Um, and I think it's fascinating that that I didn't know because I've never been in the goth community. I've been at yeah. it adjacently. I have plenty of friends who are. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think it's so cool. And I watch it and I go, I want to do that, too. Like, I want to dress yeah. and I want to be in the, you know, I mean, I, I made a fucking vampire movie, dude. Like, I love <laughs> I love yeah. the fucking dark shit. But I, I've always been on the side. And it was right. it was like that feeling that I think is just so cool and so amazing. And uh, anyway, I so I'm so glad you chose this album and you're yeah, about to show yeah. me something cool. Oh, OK, so um, talking about Peter Hook and the light. Um, so when I was leaving the military, uh, so I was leaving from Germany. I was, I was going to take three months of like this sort of what's called terminal leave. It's like yeah. your lap. It's like any bit of leave you have left. You can either have it paid out to you or you can take it and just take like whatever time off. Yeah. So I took three months of leave that I had accrued basically. Uh, and I went on a huge trip all over the world. I went to like China and Japan and all this crazy stuff. Um, but the, the weekend before I left my, my like war for my war buddies that yeah. like the, it was just the last couple guys that were still in the unit. Cause this is a couple of years after we got back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they were like my best friends and they're still some of my really good, good friends, even though I don't see them as much, you know, as I'd like, but they're, they're it's just a very specific kind of friendship that you form in that place. But, uh, they they saw that the weekend before I was leaving, Peter Hook and the Light were playing in Prague in Czech Republic, which was like an hour and a half from where we lived in Germany. So they're like, dude, we got to go. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So me and my two friends uh, went to Prague and it was in this like weird like venue that's like in a basement. It's like a bomb shelter or mm-hmm. something. And it's like two stories but sub levels and then there's like a stage so there's like a balcony and it looks over the stage and then you know the ga floor uh but it's all underground um so we got like there super super early because i'm like dude this is one of my favorite musicians one of my favorite bands we've got to go see this like as soon as or as early as we can we got right up on the stage you know they come out and i mean it's like five foot of separation between me and Peter hook and, and, and his son Jack was playing. Yes. Was yes. Really cool. Yes. And I was just like, this is so awesome. And it was one of the joy division tours. So it was like mostly joy division, a couple new order tracks. I believe there were a couple new order. Tracks. Nah, he put, he played a bunch not. of mine too. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so, so basically we're right there and I'm just like pounding, pilsners and just love it i mean i'm in i'm in heaven yeah and i'm just absolutely it's like the army is over for me like i'm leaving this thing that i don't believe anymore my my two of my best friends are here with me they're having a blast like and it, it just felt it was like man there's this is so important you know it this is. night is so important because this is like me moving on yeah and so they played three sets or two, I guess there's two main sets and an encore. Right. And in between the second set and the encore, they're coming back out. And at this point I'm a little sauced and I'm like, 
So they have the green room is weird. There's like stairs that lead off from the stage down to another basement, like sub level. Right. So they're coming like up from the green room. Yeah. And so they're walking up these stairs and we're like right there. And I was like, Peter fucking hook. And he, and he's like, he's smoking the cigarette and he goes, fuck yeah. And he hands me his cigarette. <laughs> and like, I'm at that point, I hadn't smoked since like Afghanistan or yeah, something. Yeah. And I'm like ripping this Marlboro menthol. And I was just like, and I'm like, hell yeah. And I'm like looking, but I'm like still kind of fixated. And I look over at my friends and they're like, yeah, right. And that's when it hit me. And I was like, holy shit. I'm smoking Peter so I cigarette. So I smoked the cigarette and I, and I put it out and I put it in my pocket because you're not allowed to smoke technically. And the, the bouncer was like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter like, Hook well, can Peter do Hook, it, but man. you can't. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. So, so I pocket this. Uh, so they, they play the encore and, and it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, they finish with Level Terrace Part. Yes. And, um, and so my friend Eric, he's this like, tiny like scandinavian guy he's real short but he's real stocky and he's just like he's yeah. a bulldog and he he had this like kind of weird look on his face and i was like he's a little drunk like i was like what are you doing and he's like hold on man and he jumps over so they left the stage mm-hmm. he jumps onto the stage grabs the set list balls it up and throws it back at me and i was like oh caught it and these giant Czech bouncers just grabbed him. And I was like, oh, no, we are about to have to fight these dudes to save Eric's life. And the guy's, gra- I mean, this dude's like seven foot. Right, I'm not right, kidding. Right. He's huge. And he's got Eric up in the air by his scruff. And he's like, why do you do this? <laughs> and Eric goes, look behind us, man. There are like nothing but these like really hot goth girls. We were never getting that set list, man. Oh my! And the guy god. goes, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> and he just let him go. <laughs> oh my god, that is so, the best story. So anyway, I have oh that's amazing the cigarette butt and oh, the the set Dusty, list. Dusty, that is glorious. That is so and, uh, glorious. Yeah, it was just such a wonderful. Uh, as you can see, I mean, it's pretty much the entire discography. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it was it was just such a cool moment. Absolutely. You know? it, but yeah. I, I If you ever get a chance, listeners, uh, if you ever get the chance to go see Peter Hook in the Light, it is absolutely worth, it's worth every it. last cent. It's absolutely. Incredible. If you are a Joy Division or New Order fan, um, yes. I thought he did so good. I was watching him. I was talking to Jack afterwards, and I was like, here's your dad, who's like 67, and he's just running around stage playing. He's in great shape and just still has all this energy. This was, you know, yeah. it was just a, a remarkable. And I was like, that's exactly where I want to be at his age, man. I want to be yeah. doing the same kind of shit. And he I was know. just such a, it was so good. And I remember I posted the video and somebody in my comments, you know, it's like, I had the best time. And they were like, well, blah, blah, blah. And they kind of criticized. They were like, well, because Hookie can't sing. You know, I think it was somebody from England. And I was like, nah, I was like, yeah, I was kind of like, I disagree. I actually yeah. thought he really had that Ian Curtis energy. Um, I thought yes. it was in the tone in his voice. I thought he did a really good job. Um, and I thought it was great. I, I wasn't at all sitting there and going, oh, this is this doesn't sound good. You know, I've seen bands yeah. where the lead singer can't sing <laughs> Motley Crue. And uh, <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, no. Um, but uh, but it was it was remarkable. And I love that you have that set list. And what yeah. a cool story. What year was that? Uh, do you think in the in the check? That was 2000. 
2016. Yeah. Because wow. it was right before I left for that trip. It was the week before That's I left. Amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, there was something else I was going to say about this album that I wanted to say. Oh, um, you probably know a ton of it, but I was trying to do, because I always like to come in in my shows, like researching and knowing some stuff. You probably already knew that on the original vinyl, I don't know if they've recreated it, but on the runoff groove, um, mm-hmm. On each side, it had uh, it said, um, step inside, this is the way. So on each side, it had that in the runoff groove, which was pointing to atrocity exp- exposition. Oh, right. yeah. yeah, and so they put right. it on the original thing. Yeah. And I was like, here's, I think it's this is the way. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, they were the Mandalorian before the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but that, was a, that was a cool thing that I was reading about. And then I was reading about... Um, just that these guys, you know, they were kids. They were doing it on the weekends, recorded it over three yeah. weekends, like staying up all night long. And um, and that they, the, the uh, what's the other thing? Oh, and that when they got the album done, Peter and Barney didn't like it. They were like, yeah, it, they, they were like, it. they were coming from a much more punk, heavier yes. style. And uh, and they they went home and it was, you know, spacey and ambient yeah. and, and, and real, you know, ethereal. And they were like, no. And the other two were very yeah. happy. Um, but it was uh, it's just amazing that they didn't realize that they would literally be making a record that would inspire thousands and thousands of artists for years to come. Right. And how, you know, this is what I was going to say earlier about the goth scene. I can't believe that people don't consider it a goth record or in the in the goth scene. Because yeah. I was like, it kind of is the god one of the godfathers right. of the whole scene, isn't it? So, yeah. well, I mean, that's like something I won't go too far into this, but I'll just put it to you like this. Like there is a huge amount of like really tasteless, shitty, boring discourse about what is goth music or Mm, not. Yeah. And like, while, so this is what I'll say about goth music. It absolutely is. You might be hearing a train. There's a train that goes right by my house. I have noise outside uh, like crazy today. (laughs) And I was like, of all the days, there's a dog barking, a construction (laughs) truck. I'm like, you guys, I am talking division video himself. So excuse me, train. Excuse me. But no, so I'll say this, like goth, uh, goth rock, especially, but goth music is definitely a genre in the same way that like metal, Mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, pop that, you know, uh, classical jazz, R and B, all of these genres exist. And there are like certain, uh, relative guidelines to like what makes, you know, like you wouldn't take, uh, 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 say Metallica and be like, this is a jazz band. Right, 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 right. Can't do it. It's just not. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of outside of those general guidelines. Uh, maybe they have a couple riffs. That yeah, are maybe, maybe Kirk I mean, Hammond's sure. throwing some jazzy licks in there, yeah, but it's not I'm sure jazz. He did. I mean, yeah. most rock and roll comes from jazz, uh, you know, guitar stuff. Yeah. So, but the problem is that uh, with with goth music, it was never intended to be goth music. And what I mean by that is when you look at the music history, because I'm a huge music history nerd. Like I just read books about all the bands that I'm interested in, because I think it's fascinating being a musician, just like learn, learning the pitfalls, but also seeing like where they succeeded and like where they took risks that paid off and all this sort of stuff. Um, so goth music, you know, came from post-punk 
music. Uh, so there's this like sort of, you know, group of weirdos and musicians that are leaving the punk rock scene because it's sort of getting appropriated by by record industry. Sure, like sure. Sort of making boy bands that are like, here's the new punk group. Right. And they'd like label it with punk literally. And it's like, here you go. Buy this. So all these sort of like more avant-garde weirdos from that scene, you know, like the Susies and the Peter Murphys and all these kind of people, they started to sort of go, well, let's do this again, but our own way. It's like that book, uh, Rip It Up and Start Again. Hmm. Uh, it's a great uh, intro. Uh, I can't remember his name. This guy's name Simon something or another, but the book is awesome. And it's just a great uh, explanation of history of the of post-punk. It's a little dry, but it's great. Okay. But anyway, so you have all these people. And they're like really interested in like the macabre and like, you know, horror movies and like all this kind of weird stuff. Um, there's this like fascination with androgyny and the flirtation with sort of dark imagery, but it's all a lot of it's very tongue in cheek. Mm -hmm. They're not calling it anything, they're just making music. Bauhaus, uh, Sisters of Mercy, uh, 45 Grave, Christian Death, Susie and the Banshees, uh, on and on and on. The Cure, all these bands. Um, are making this bizarre music that kind of sits in the same realm, like sure. reverbed out chorusy guitars and right. and really operatic, uh, very melodramatic vocals, mm -hmm. uh, lyrics that have flirtation with the macabre, but can also be very like insane and party like. You right, know, right. Mean, Forty-five grave party time, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but none of these people are calling it goth. It's not until the mid to late 80s where this sort of media influence goes, ah, what do we call these people? Well, they call them death rockers in L.A. and they call them cure heads in London and they call them whatever and whatever. And then somebody uh, latched on to this sort of like description of uh, uh, the doors at one point where they said, oh, it's like a gothic band. Mm. And then they sort of moved that. Uh, and Susie Sue once said like, oh, we have sort of a gothic sound about us. So this it start it started to kind of come out because it makes sense, you know, gothic literature is absolutely dark and yeah atmosphere. It, and when but once they had this term, this sort of brevity term to like sell it, that's when it started to like get kind of watered down and or not watered down, but like oh yeah, it, it, it saturated, start, just just like, yeah yeah. And and then all these bands start coming out as goth bands, which I right. know is ironic because we sort of label ourselves that. But uh, there's I have a metaphor for it now because we now exist in a time where like. We're sort of post goth uh, being like, oh, we're not goth, you know? Sure. It's it's sort of like, a, and I love using this metaphor because it's so hilarious to me. You know, in zombie movies now that come out and they're and everybody's like, what are these things? These monsters, these walkers, these roamers. It's a fucking zombie. <laughs> we <man>. all know it. <laughs> you know, it's a zombie. Let's just call it a goddamn zombie and yeah. move on. It's like, it's sort of the same thing. It's like, it's a goth band. But the thing that I love about the goth genre now is that there's so much music that's coming out within the genre. There's so many amazing artists and musicians uh, that exist in this giant umbrella. And there's, you know, there's sort of like dark wave, there's cold wave, there's industrial, EBM, there's, you know, gothic rock, there's goth metal, and it all works and it all fits under there. And it's like, who cares about this label? Like, just enjoy the totally. fucking music totally, and have a good time with it. And I always say that to people who are like, oh, Joy Division isn't goth. I'm like, okay, do you want to <laughs> know if a goth band is goth or not? Go to a club, a goth night club, and listen to the music. Do they play Joy Division? Yes, it's a goth band. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's I mean, it's like 
Yeah. Who cares? Who man? cares? You know? <laughs> Who cares? And I mean, this scene stuff, you know, uh, on a, on another level in the metal community, it's the same thing. We have the same problem. We have all these people that are like, um, what is real metal? What is death? Yeah. What is death core? What is in melodic death? metal? It just goes on and on and on. And the elitist yeah. mentality, you're so relieved when you meet others that you're like, I don't care. Honestly, yeah. it's, you know, it's part of it. So it, it seems to find its way in every community, in every art right. form, there's um, my friend once made a podcast that I was on called Well Actually, and I loved it because it was making fun of the Well Actually, Well Actually, well, actually <laughs> and you just can't escape, you know, Star Wars, you know, fucking yeah. Harry Potter, whatever, whatever it is. It's like there's just always the people that come along and they they Well Actually you to death, yeah. and it's like yeah. somebody I get Well Actually on Smashing Pumpkins, and I'm like, bro. Do you want to? Do you really want to dance? Because I will school you. Yeah. I will school right. you. This is my world. And, uh, and, and yeah, like somebody will, and I'm sure you get it too. Oh, I'm sure people I, I, yeah. all the time come after you. Unbelievable. Like I recently had um, like this huge group of people on the like goth subreddit yeah. that just went on this like, we hate vision video fest. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'm cool with it because you're talking about it. Yeah. Right. We're going to go, who, who's that that you hate hating on? So much? like, cause you know, most of it was like, I hate goth dad because he's a cringy. Oh, goth I love dad. that. Like, I love whatever, that. Whatever dude. Like, you know, but the, the, the thing about these people, whether it's the goth scene or any scene, any music subculture or any scene of any media or culture whatsoever is that they are almost always terminally online people. These are not conversations that people are having at events. No. Like you're not at a show. You're not like at Peter Hook and the Light and some guy's like, well, you know, a lot of people call these guys gothic rock, but <laughs> I personally call them first wave post-punk. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Right. I'm trying to, I'm watch, trying to watch Peter, Peter Hook. Hook. He's about to throw a cigarette at me. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, who cares? Like, you won't, you won't hear that. Yeah. Because those people, uh, are, I mean, I hate to say it, but most of those people are just like kind of insufferable yeah. and, and they, and they, and they, they sort of, uh, dump their entire personality into these like dumb online arguments that don't totally. go anywhere and are like total, uh, circuitous, dumb things. It's just like, I agree. Just let it go and have a good time. Have man. a good time. And I mean, that's the one thing we gain as we, we get older and wiser as you let go of those kind of <laughs> stupid things and, you know, we, you know, I've, I've kept you on for a very long time, so I know I probably got to at some point in time let you go. But I want to talk about vision video. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny. You're going to laugh because I am 100 percent certain now that we're talking about Joy Division. I'm like, oh, vision. So that's in the title itself, isn't it? Yeah. So vision video, the name actually. So I, I do love that. It does have that. Like, oh, okay. So it's slight, more coincidental uh, than anything. Oh, yeah, it, it is actually pretty coincidental, but it, it, I did. I mean, when we decided on it, I was like, ah, oh, that is kind of cool. Like nice the vision, the, you know? Yeah. Uh, so vision video was the name of a local, uh, like punk rock version of blockbuster here in Athens, Georgia. Nice. They had about four or five locations. It was just a video rental store. Yeah. Uh, run by mostly college kids from the art school at UGA. Uh, you would go in there and like, that was my exposure to like horror. Cause mm -hmm. like there was, I'll never forget like the, the broad street location. There was this cute punk rock girl that worked there and she was obsessed with horror. And I was like 17. I didn't know how to talk to girls uh, or dudes. At that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, uh, you know, I was like, um, 
uh, you're cute. Like, what do I just say to you to make you think I'm cool? Uh, so I would go in there and I'd be like, hey, uh, you know, what do you think? I like these movies. What do you think I should watch? And she's like, oh, you know, you should watch this. Like, this is really, really bad, but you'll love it. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and it's just like, there was this concern for the customers. Like it was a uh, communal experience. Like you go in and uh, the guy that you were talking to last week who recommended you watch Evil Dead was like, oh, hey, you should watch this terrible movie that Peter Jackson made called Bad Taste. It's awesome. It's love terrible. It. You'll love it. You know, and, and so there were also like uh, uh, flyers for all the shows every week. They changed them every, every week. And so you're always like, you always just felt like you're connected to the community and and one thing that I miss about the world back then is that so now nowadays a lot of our taste is dictated by a fucking algorithm. A hundred percent. Just in so many ways. Like yeah. what we see on TikTok to what we listen to on Spotify, what literally comes up in the Spotify radio. Right. You know, it's there's this lack of human curation. Right. Where we lose the granular texture of what makes things wonderful. And it's yeah. just sort of like passed on to a, a line of code. Uh, wow. Well you know, said, dude. And, and, well yeah, said. You know, and I miss that about movie stores. And I miss that about so many things. And I think there's a lot of um, themes in our music that, that speaks to sort of this longing and nostalgia for 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 stability and, and, and being OK when you're not OK. And, and so there was just like parallel. And so we, we spent like three months trying to come up with a name because that's actually one of the hardest parts of being in a band is coming up with a good name. Of course. And uh, my, my drummer, uh, Jason Fusco, who's an amazing drummer, he's in a really great punk rock band called She He He. I highly recommend you'll love them. OK, I'll check she them out. She He He. Awesome. Uh, great music. Yeah. Um, but one day uh, he like popped into the group chat and he was like, Hey, what is, what, like, what if we call ourselves vision video, like the video store? And I was like, it's perfect. It's perfect. Because everybody in Athens knows it. And, and another thing I'll say about it is that Athens has changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. It, it has become pretty homogenized. There's been this massive influx of like very wealthy people. A lot of students that are going to UGA's parents have bought a lot of the property around here. Right, right. So this huge amount of money has floated into the town, which is good in some ways, but it's like really tough to live here now. Like if you don't own a home, if you're renting, it's extraordinarily expensive yeah. um, to rent here. So a lot of the artists have gone. A lot of the cool, weird stuff is gone. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a lot of these like weird franchises and shit that are downtown instead of music venues. And I'm like, that's not the Athens I grew up in. Yeah. You know, I grew up in punk rock, weird, kind of dangerous, but awesome Athens. Um, so this was just a way for us to sort of keep this one little thing alive. And then every now and then, you know, we'll, we'll play a show or something and people will be walking by and they're like, you know, you're talking about your show and it's like, oh yeah, I'm play I play in a band called vision video. And they're like, oh, like the video store, yes. man. Cool. And you're like, yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things. It's like immediately you have this bond over this bygone thing. Um, uh, yeah, so that's where that name. I came love from. it. I love that I knew the story, <laughs> and I do think it's cool that you are inspired, and that the big album that really changed your life was Joy Division, and it has that division, vision. You know, it has that connection. Um, it's just yeah. a, it's a nice coincidental thing. I immediately when yeah. I when we talked about this album, I was like, oh, there's the link. But that's even cooler yeah. that it ties to that. And I had a similar experience growing up. We didn't have. Um, we didn't have necessarily like a like a local video store that I remember. I mean, I think we were we were stuck on some 
pretty like chain stuff because this is Tulsa, Oklahoma. But we did yeah, have record yeah. stores like that that were a big deal. Yeah. But I was going to say you mentioned Peter Jackson and Bad Taste. My friends and I did, all did the same thing. We um, became obsessed with watching bad movies, like weird yes. off kilter films. It all started. Um, we we saw Ed Wood. And as soon as we oh, saw Ed Wood, we were like, let's get Plan 9. Let's get Glenn or Glenda. Let's get the movies. Yes. And then once that that opened, then it was like, all right, let's get Bad Taste. Let's get Evil Dead. Let's get uh, Meet the Feebles. Let's watch every yeah. fucked up thing we can find. <laughs> and um, and so that was a big part of my youth as well. So linking yeah. it together to a video store um, is such a cool idea. Um, yeah. And I love, that, I love that it has that link to that hometown feel for you. Um, yeah. but yeah, man, I, I, this has been amazing. And I, before we wrap up the show, I wanted to say, is there anything that we can help, um, promote for you? Are you going to be going on the road soon? Are you playing shows yeah. soon? Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're about to start a very long year of touring. Uh, this year is already shaping up to be unbelievable, sort of unprecedented for us. So like, uh, in about two and a half weeks, uh, we will be doing about a week and a half down from here in Athens all the way down Florida to Miami Beach and back. Amazing. Um, we'll have about a week and a half off, and then we will start this like month-long tour where we go from Athens out to Austin for South by Southwest with awesome. dates along the way. Uh, then we will be shooting up towards Persephone, New Jersey for this big goth and industrial festival called Dark Force Fest. Cool. Um, and up to as far north as Montreal, Canada, and then back down the East Coast. Um, so all those dates have tickets. That's all on our website at visionvideoband.com if you're in the U.S. But um, what I'm really excited about is this year we will be going to Europe twice. Yes. Uh, we will be going to uh, play a very good slot at the what's called the Wave Gothic Treffen Festival. It's uh, a, it's it's basically the biggest goth rock festival in the world, and it takes place in Leipzig, Germany. So we will be playing there on June 28th. And basically what we're going to do is before that, for about two weeks, we're going to fly into probably Spain or Portugal and we're going to make our way east to Germany to play that festival. Then immediately after that festival, the next day we're going to fly uh, to uh, somewhere in England, probably London, mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to be doing 10 dates uh, opening up for the seminal goth rock band, the March Violets from the from the 80s. Um, uh, so we're super excited to be able to play with them. Uh, and then later in the year, uh, in August, we'll be going out to California and doing a, yeah, so we'll see you there. I'm going to see you. Coast. We're going to hang out. We got to yes, hang absolutely. out somehow. For sure. For sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We, and we usually take a couple days off in Good. LA and, uh, because we have so many friends there. So Good. absolutely. Um, but we're going to do a sort of a West Coast tour uh, through the month of August. Uh, and then at the end of the year, we'll be, um, we will be coming back to Germany for the cold hearted festival in Dresden, very appropriately named cause it will be very cold in Dresden, Germany. Wow. Uh, but I think around that we're going to do some German dates and then some Eastern Europe and then probably Italy as well. Amazing. Um, Full year. Other than, other than, yeah. Other than that, like we're, 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 uh, we're actually working with, um, well, I should say potentially working with. Uh, a Grammy award-winning producer uh, that uh, we just met. And I don't want to jinx it. I, we don't know if it's 100% going to happen, but if it does, uh, you're going to see an EP coming out probably the end of the spring. Yes. Um, and it's 
the new music it's it's a lot different it's a little heavier it's a little dancier it's a little it's just it's just like an elevation of everything i love it um but anyway if you want to support any of this stuff uh visionvideoband.com we run the website we do all like the only thing we don't do is we don't literally ship the merch but we 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 get it all packaged up and we get it all done um and so it's all from us we we are totally independent we have the only thing I guess we've technically outsourced is booking agency, and that's just something that I don't want to do anyway. So, yeah. Uh, but so, and the only reason why I say that is like you know, uh, we 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 spend a lot of time and work and energy and effort. So every little bit of of money that's thrown at us, be it for tickets or merch, is just like so massively appreciated because yes. I do this full time now and. Uh, I live a very uh, a blessed life. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not making crazy amounts of money, but I'm making art for a living. And that is uh, something that has saved my life quite literally. Um, and uh, and so I, every every last red cent is just so massively appreciated. So I'm so yeah, glad. You. I'm so glad that you st- we got a chance to shout that out and um, everybody heard it and I'll, you know, I'll link it and, and put this out when we put out the episode and I'm excited you might be here in August because, um, you know, it's not solidified yet, but I, I am <laughs> recording a new album and I haven't oh, put cool. out an album since 2007. And so I don't have any, you know, fancy, you know, production lined up, but I'm going to record <laughs> an album and, um, I am planning on dropping it around August or around that time because that's my 45th Sweet. birthday. And I'm thinking about, I'm flirting with the idea of playing locally here in LA, like a night, you know, kind of a release party, record release party, AKA my birthday. And uh, if you just so happen to be around a town, man, having you there would be a dream come true just to hang out, you know, have a drink and, and, uh, you could watch me play some music too. Like I'll watch you play music. Oh, it's so, it's so satisfying. There are very few pleasures in this world very few unknown pleasures to some people that uh, are better than <laughs> yes. when you're on tour and you get a day off and you can go see a show yes. and you don't have to do any of this stuff. Yes. You get to get to enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, if we're, if we're in town when you're doing that, 100% I'll be there. Yeah. And sure. I mean, of course it might not line up and I get that hundred percent, but I was like, I was like, well, maybe it would be awesome. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the first <laughs> I've ever uttered about it. So my, my listeners now cool. are going to, you know, be like, Oh, if I, if they made it this far into the episode, then they got a little, <laughs> little sneak peek of something, but, yeah. but vision video, Band.com uh, is is where they can find you, and then on TikTok it's just Vision Video, right? Yeah, uh, Vision Video Band. Vision Video Band. Everything, everything yep. Vision Video Band. So make sure yep. you follow Dusty and Vision Video and check out their music. They have a ton of music out there. It's all great. It's such a talented, smart guy. Uh, really just enjoyed it. I mean, getting to know you even better. Now I'm just excited to like hang out in person because I know yes. we could we could do this for days on end. We yeah. could talk oh, about yeah. just life I mean, and <laughs> the human experience. Yeah, for sure. Have me back. I'd I will. To, I will. We, we Absolutely. Could talk about we can talk about stuff uh, anytime. Anytime. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about doing this full time is like my calendar is like as long as I'm not on the road or in the studio, it's yeah. awesome because I'm just like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It came together perfectly. Um, yeah. And so this is the part of the show where I look back at the audience and I wrap things up. You are welcome to just sit through it as it, it usually takes about a minute and then or yeah, no you worries. can say goodbye now, whatever you'd like to do. No, no problem. Well, thanks for yeah. listening, everybody. And uh, yeah, come check us out. And I'm excited to see uh, some of you out on the road. Yes, Absolutely. 
Um, thank you so much, Dusty Gannon from Vision Video. And you heard him, visionvideoband.com, Vision Video Band everywhere. What a cool conversation and incredible time that we had together. And I'm glad you joined me for it. I hope you learned a little thing about Joy Division. Um, and you check out that album if you've never heard it before. Uh, you will hear exactly what we were talking about, about that bass line and those, those, those tunes, those haunting tunes that really connect with a human condition. And, and uh, that's the amazing thing about music is how unifying it is for all of us. So once again, thank you for joining me for Waterproof Records. Make sure you check out DistroKid. Check out that link that I have. Support uh, the sponsor because the sponsor supports me and helps this show uh, continue on and be possible. Spread the word about Waterproof Records. Tell your friends. Say, this is the coolest music podcast in existence. I mean, I know there's a lot of others out there, but why can't we be number one? You could make me number one. I just think I'm just I'm putting Putting that ownership on you. Um, but you could go out there and comment and like and tell everybody about it. And I hope you learned a lot today. So thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Waterproof Records. Things are going to change. I feel it. If this won't be that kind of fun, it Waterproof Records. Waterproof.